Hello everyone, and uh, thank you for joining me for this final episode in our series in Hebrews. I trust you've found our time together instructive and encouraging. Uh, that's the purpose for which this letter was written. So I hope that's what these uh, short talks have done for you. And I hope that not only have you been encouraged and instructed, but that in fact what you have already done or what you will do if you haven't yet done that, is to go and work through Hebrews for yourself. We've only touched on the surface of things, obviously, in the time we have available. I hope that what we've done is we've given you some keys to enable you to unlock this book for yourself and to really get the benefit. It is a wonderful book and certainly one worth reading and rereading um, for yourself and also one worth explaining to others so that as you learn things from Hebrews, you can share what you're learning with other people. That'll be a great win. Uh, for us as a result of this series. Now in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 28, in speaking about this kingdom that cannot be shaken, as we looked at in our last episode, um, we are also exhorted to worship God acceptably, to offer God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Now I wonder what comes to your mind when you hear the words acceptable worship. What do you think of when you hear those words? I think for the Jewish Christian readers, and certainly the Jewish readers of this book, when they heard the phrase acceptable worship, their minds would automatically have turned to the Old Covenant, because in many ways the book of Leviticus, as well as the regulations found in Exodus, were God's blueprint for acceptable worship. That is, for the way in which God could be approached, the way people could enter his presence. But what is striking, even in the Old Testament, and we see this in the preaching of the prophets, and indeed in the, in the songbook of, of Israel, the book of Psalms, is that for Israel, worship wasn't just about what happened, if you like, in our terms, in church. Acceptable worship was far more than what happened in the gathering. It included the gathering, but it went beyond that. Of course, for today, many people who hear the words acceptable worship will think about songs of praise. They'll think about what precedes or follows the sermon, uh, what we do when we meet in church. Worship has become, hasn't it, restricted in our terms often to the events that happen in church, often excluding the sermon. So there'll be the sermon and then the worship, or there'll be the worship followed by the sermon. We often talk in those terms and we know what we mean. And in chapter 13, verse 15, actually, there's a reference to a sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge God's name. So that sounds very much like singing and songs of praise. And I'm all for songs of praise. I think it's the most natural thing in the world for Christians to sing. What is striking, however, is that 13, verse 15, which brackets our section, and then 12, verse 28, at the other end, the acceptable worship, this language of worship, when we look at what is actually being described here, it strikes us, does it not, that it's actually all about practical life, about what we might call Christian ethics or daily life, godly living. The, the very holiness that we were talking about in our past episode um, of, of, that we are to pursue as Christians. Let me read the benediction in verse 20 and 21, which I think gives us something of a clue here. At the end of this letter, the writer is saying, Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant. So he's summarizing what's gone before. May he equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Now that's a benediction. 
Those are words to be spoken, if you like, at the end of the service. And it speaks about equipping us with everything good that we may do His will. Now, if we put that little benediction into the context of worship, in fact, as um, many of the Reformed services do, what that actually speaks about is the fact that we actually leave the building to go and worship. Do you see the point? It's not that we don't worship in the building when we gather together. It's just that worship can't be restricted to the building. It's so important, isn't it? That our worship as Christians is largely about how we live, what we do, about that love in action that we looked at in chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, or the holiness of chapter 12. So let's look at how chapter 13 unpacks our acceptable worship. And there are just a few things I want to mention, and you can look through them for yourself. They're pretty straightforward and easy to understand. So let brotherly love continue. That's worship. Don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares, and messengers from God unawares. Remember that those who are in, remember those who are in prison. So hospitality is worship. Brotherly love is worship. Kindness to those in prison because of the gospel. I think these are the angels, the messengers that he's referring to. Worship. Let marriage bed be held in honor and let the marriage bed remain undefiled. Faithfulness in marriage, sexual purity equals worship. Do you see the point? Um, sexual purity, 13.4, worship. Um, keeping your life free from the love of money. Uh, fighting against greed in our life is part of our Worship, contentment rather than greed, worship. The right attitude to God's word and to those who teach us the word of God, worship. Verse 9, not being led astray by false teaching, worship. And not being caught up in religious tradition, actually worship. Isn't that striking? We would think that church and worship is about religious tradition. Yeah, we are warned against being ruled by tradition rather than by the living word of God. How striking it is. Um, being willing to be associated with, with Christ outside of the camp. Uh, verse 13, he, he's talking about the fact that those who follow Jesus are often ostracized. The Jewish Christian readers of this letter would have been ostracized in their day, but the same is true for Christians today. We can easily be considered to be outsiders. Our worship is to go outside with Christ, to be associated with Christ. And of course, the sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of lips that acknowledges his name, the greatest of all acts of worship, is our declaration of faith in Jesus and our confession of Jesus Christ as Lord. And that, of course, happens in church, but in everyday life, at the workplace, at college, at university, in our homes, wherever it is. There's quite a bit about submitting to leaders in this chapter. I think what the writer is saying here is, look, part and parcel of growing up as a Christian is to be well-guided and well-taught. And so we do need to be careful about what we listen to. We do need to be discerning about what we read and accept as true just because it comes from someone who's got a following. But throughout this, as indeed throughout the whole letter, the final responsibility for godly worship lies where? Well, it lies with the individual believer in community to be pursuing the truth, to be living out the truth. And so what is our acceptable worship in this country, South Africa, where I'm speaking? And the same will be true for you to think through wherever you happen to be watching from.
As you live in your culture, in your community, in your context, whatever it is, what is our acceptable worship? The answer is to take the principles of God's word, the gospel truth that has come to us in Jesus Christ, all the great privileges that are ours in Christ, and to make sure that we hold fast to those in terms of our doctrine, but also very important to make sure that we do borrow from James. We are not just hearers of that word, but doers also, and that we are equipped by God and that therefore we do his will in each and every place where we may find ourselves moment by moment, day by day, in all of life. What a great letter Hebrews is. Thank you for joining us for this series. May God richly bless you as you seek with his help to do everything good and so do his will. <music>